News Talk Breakfast with Kira Kelly and Shane Coleman. In association with AIR on News Talk. I would like to hand over the baton to the next generation, to a younger woman, to a working class woman from Cherry Orchard. I think it's the right time to do it now and to make the preparation for people to know that I'm genuine about this. It's not, I'm not running away. I'm always going to be around and I'll be working with Hazelden Ortoon in all the campaigns, both locally and nationally. And I do intend to play a big role in People Before Profit, even not as a TD, but rather as a TD, an ex-TD who's supporting other young people to build uh, to build a project that that can bring about change. That was People Before Profit TD, Breed Smith, speaking on the hard shoulder as she announced she would not seek re-election. Emma D'Souza, writer and political commentator, should other people follow, other deputies follow uh, Breed Smith's um, example and make way for a new generation? Morning, Shane. Well, I think it does open up an interesting debate and it's one that's not unique to Ireland because globally young people continue to be underrepresented in politics, despite the fact that it's this generation that will have to live with the policies being created today far longer than many of those making them. And if you look at um, the makeup of Parliament at the moment, you know, less than a quarter of TDs are women and the average age is 48. Over 80 percent are over 40, despite the fact that the average age of the population is 38. So certainly, you know, parliaments are meant to be reflective of society and you can't really say that's the case at the moment. Young people are significantly impacted. If you look at things like the housing crisis, young people having to, to leave often for better opportunities, but they're politically marginalised and they should absolutely be included in political processes so that they can contr- contribute to the making of policies that impact their lives. Yeah, I mean, the facts that you, you cited there are absolutely spot on and, and no argument there. But I suppose the the obvious retort would be get elected. I mean, they're not excluded. There's nothing stopping, like James O'Connor got elected at the age of 22. There's nothing actually stopping young people going forward. Like, it is a democracy. Of course. But, you know, it does come down a lot of the times to candidate selection. And often we see that parties will favour the incumbent uh, TD and they uh, continue to run in their seats. And um, parties are not necessarily selecting young candidates. And when they do select young candidates, they're often put into seats that they're not necessarily going to win or not given the support that they need to be able to get elected. So there is a, a question here over what political parties are doing to actually encourage young people to enter into politics, what supports they're providing and how they're ensuring that the next generation are getting an opportunity that that we have space being created for young people, not a situation where we have you know TDs that are perhaps serving decades in, in one seat and not creating space for the next generation to have a chance to do that too. Yeah, I mean, if, fair enough, but I suppose those people are elected by the people. I mean, that's democracy, isn't it? It's not a question of democracy, Shane. We're not talking about, you know, something that's undemocratic. We're talking about creating a space for young people to be able to run as candidates. And there is a question here of whether parties are selecting young candidates to be able to run in those seats or or whether they're not. And the fact that we have, you know, 80% of TDs are over 40, that does show you that, you know, those are people who ran on a ticket. They ran on a ticket with a party and they were selected to do so. So there is a question over whether or not parties are creating space for young people. And if you look at what we have at the moment, I think that's quite clearly not the case. And it's not just young people who are under 
represented. You know, if we look at ethnic minorities, we look at the traveller community, we look at women, we see that we still yeah, have well, a lot. Let, let's keep it about age just for it, because you're absolutely right, but it's just, it's a very broad topic and, and time is against it. Like, again, to play devil's advocate, Emma, like if I'm, I'm what, I'm 54, if I was a TD... I'm th- should I need to make way for a younger person or sh- would I would I be thinking, you know what, if you want my seat, come and get it. Um, stand against me, uh, whether it's at um, delicate level in the in the constituency or whether it's in the general election. Like, is there, are we underestimating the, the power of experience, the importance of experience of, you know, miles on the clock and uh, knowledge and so on? I mean, is there a danger we could be, ageist here in terms of saying make way for younger people? Well, I would say that the institutions are inherently ageist um, and that I'm not talking about, um, you know, I'm, I'm trying to actually suggest ways that we can address ageism within politics. Young people do come up against that argument often where it comes down to experience. But, we, you know, we have three TDs in their, in their 20s and certainly I hope we're not questioning their ability to do their job. So I think that we need to look at what you can benefit from having an intergenerational parliament, the transmission of learning that you can have from having young um, age cohorts in and also those who are a little bit older. You know, we have to really question whether, you know, if parliament is reflective of society, if that's the case at the moment, and also if most of the decision making and policy making is being made by those who are decades older, you know, how attuned can they be to the priorities of young people okay. and the issues that we talk about today? In a practical way, how would, you do, how would you go about doing that? How would you go about clearing the decks for younger, uh, younger candidates? Well, look, this is a debate that has taken place in lots of other countries as well, as well. And there have been things such as term limits raised as one thing that can be looked at. There's youth quotas that have been discussed and debated in the UK and other places. But ultimately, an easy way to try and address this comes down to the political parties. I mean, they can always take up a voluntary youth quota in terms of ensuring that they have a certain amount of young people that they're going to I, run. I'm guessing, past. Emma, sorry to cut across you, I'm guessing if some of them were here now with general sexies, they would say, we find it really hard to get young candidates. We don't, there's not a big queue of young people looking to get into, to, to stand for election. Well, look, they say that about women too, but there are plenty of women and plenty of young people that really want to get involved in politics. Sometimes it takes a little bit of extra work to encourage them that they can stand, that they have a place in politics. And parties should absolutely be putting in the extra mile to say to young people, this is a place that you can be and you can be a part of decision-making and political processes. So, you know, that argument doesn't really hold up. We know that young people are massively involved in political movements. We know they do a lot of work in activism. And if you create space, they will come. Emma D'Souza, a writer and political commentator. Thank you for talking to News Talk Breakfast. Let us know what you think. 87 News Talk Breakfast with Kira Kelly and Shane Coleman. In association with AIR. Weekday mornings at 7 on News Talk.